Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Hey, hello. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And we have a wonderful show for you. I am Greg Tito, and that was Shelly Mazzanova on the clapping. No, it wasn't. It was the studio audience who are clapping and applauding Shelly Mazzanova. Yes, and you, Greg Tito. Also known as Jelly Goo in her spell jamming campaign. That's right. We get to chat a little bit about that today. Mr. Chris Lindsay, your dungeon master extraordinaire and amazing product manager on the D&D team. Uh, I guess we're talking about the Spelljammer Adventures in Space, which we're super excited about. Um, It's super fun. Yeah. And yes, pretty soon, pretty soon, everyone, that books, those books will be available and you too will have adventures. In space. In wild space. So cool. Uh, You'll hear all about it uh, in the months to come, I'm sure, from all of your friends. Uh, If you're not playing it already, they will be telling you all about it because there is nonstop uh, fantasy sci-fi action happening. Yes, nonstop. 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 It's infinitum. What is time? What is time? That has been my favorite thing to say during meetings when people are like, oh, I forgot. Was that just last yesterday that we had that conversation? What and is I always time? say, what is time anymore? Nobody understands what is, it. It doesn't matter. And I don't think it does matter in Spelljammer. Time yeah. doesn't really pass. You don't age in Spelljammer. Because you're in the astral sea where things don't age. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like wild. It's wild space. <laughs> How would consciousness work if there was no aging, if there was no progression of time? I really don't know. We may have to email Chris Lindsay a follow-up question. Well, I think it's a theme to explore in a campaign of Spelljammer. Seems like a very Star Trek type of thing to go into, uh, which is super exciting. We, of course, also have a wonderful How to DM segment Today, sure do. Today, I get to chat with two of the three wise DMs, um, a podcast and blog that I quite enjoy. Um, read a blog post recently about uh, uh, running scenes in between your your game sessions, and it was really interesting. And I wanted to dig into that more. So, mm. Torin and Tony are going to be uh, coming up to talk about that. Sweet. It might yeah. even be a perfect thing to do in a Spelljammer campaign since there are very much discrete sessions in that adventure, The Light of Xerixis. And so, hey, you might have some scenes interstitially between them. I like it. Very good idea. All right. Well, let's hear about it from them before we get to our interview with Mr. Chris Lansing. Okay. My guy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to How to DM. I have two very special guests today, Tony and Thorin, who are two of the three wise DMs, a wonderful podcast and a blog article series that helps new dungeon masters navigate the trickier side of running the game. That is me. I am those people that need help (laughs) still. Um, And welcome, guys. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you very much for having us on. And I got to tell you, we started the podcast because to a large extent, that was us. That is us too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm yeah, Thorne. And 
Yeah, that's 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 Tony. That's uh, that, that's that's uh, one of the one of the three wise DMs. Um, and you know, it's funny because we started because we were having problems in our games. <laughs> You know, we were having like, and it wasn't like, it wasn't stuff like, oh, do you understand the rules? It was stuff like, oh, we have unhappy players or, Uh-oh. oh, some, something's, something's not quite working or people want to go a different direction. We I never had an unhappy player. Yeah, what? <laughs> I didn't know there never. was such a thing. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so that's what we dig into. It's just trying to, trying to help with that kind of the soft skills, really, of DMing. Because as much as you want to make it about, oh, you're a player too, it, it, the truth is you're leading a group. There's a pure dynamic going on. There's psychology going on. Yes. There's egos going on. And we try to get into that. And then also, like, how do we build stuff? How do we make stuff? That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I stumbled across a wonderful article. I believe, Tony, it was you who, who wrote it. And it was about running, um, like, r- keeping the game going on between sessions. And I thought, what? That is such a cool idea for so many reasons. And, uh, and it was, you, you had some great Thank tips you. in there that I want to dig into, but I also want to dig into not, not to be negative, but I do feel like this idea could also go awry. My grammar. And, no, your grammar was, I, I wouldn't know. I, um, I, I'm not, that's not my, my area of expertise. Best grammar Grammarly can provide. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. But I think that, and you kind of touch on this too, that there are, you know, definitely some safeguards you want to put in place if you are going to employ this tactic. I once had a dungeon master that uh, randomly decided to yank me out of the room. <laughs> it was just like, Uh-oh. guess guess what? You're cursed and <laughs> you, <laughs> you want to kill the rest of your party. And so every, like you have to do all these things that are like, like, increasing in shadiness until they figure it out and then hopefully can break the curse that they didn't even know nobody knew was going to be placed on me um i i like the idea in theory i did not appreciate that what no none of us signed up for this this like all of a sudden that one member of the party was going to to turn completely randomly and i had like this subplot so i feel like if this was something that uh, people want to do in their games, you should probably get player buy-off. Um, but hundred percent, you agree with that? Yeah, no. If I'm gonna like, hey, Shelly, how do you feel about? I don't know. We're gonna get pineapple pizza tonight, and I'd like you to kill your friends. Right. Are you on board with me for that? <laughs> that is like, not I the D and I signed up for. But uh, the article I wrote basically was along those lines where. If there is something, one of the reasons for it is if there's something sensitive happening like that, I would have probably handled like if you were just cursed and had negatives, for example, but, you right. know, you were, no murderous tendencies to your friends. <laughs> right. uh, then I would have shot you an email and said, hey, you're not feeling so good in this respect. And mechanically, this is what's happening with your character. Or maybe I'm not even to tell you, but I'm going to foreshadow that in an email. That's something I would handle away from the table allowing uh, there'd be a little bit of mystery to that. So when I bring it up in the game, it's just not out of left field, but it's not super suspicious. So your friends are following you around like you're in the witness protection program because they think you're up to something. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably a great way to have handled that. Um, But it's, this is a good idea. So let's touch on also just why a dungeon master might want to run some sessions between between the, the regular game nights. And really, what does that mean? Like, what are we really asking or suggesting dungeon masters do in this regard? 
So we're talking about gameplay outside of the core game. And this is this is actually very tricky because it can be a wonderful tool of engagement. You can yep. really get your players into the game. They could get excited to play your game and be thinking about it outside of the session. Or your play, one of your peers can come back and they've got a plus three sword and it's it's a flaming sword and um, it kills demons with a DC 20 saving throw. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, when did that happen? When you guys went to get pizza? Like that is one of the horror stories. Like yours was a great horror story, but there's just countless horror stories of DMs and PCs doing something that goes off the rails in between games that just completely derails uh, the engagement. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I'm actually a little about, I'm a little bit the devil's advocate on this one because I love the idea. And like when we were all younger and had a lot of time, this kind of thing led to really cool role playing because, oh, I have a secret, but everyone's got a secret, you know? And now it's like, you've got to manage your time really well and make sure you can fulfill like what you're trying to do outside the game, but then also give everyone else a chance to do it. Right. And if not everyone can be involved, you do risk a little bit of falling into main character syndrome where the one person who can be the most involved all of a sudden has, you know, they, they start having uh, out, you know, um, extra pull in the game. And you got to balance that. Like, so you kind of have to make sure you're not creating that. And at the same time that you have the time to go through with it and the time to make it kind of really effective if you're going to do it. So that's, that's we could we talk about this in the podcast a few times. Like, I like the idea. I'm always right. cautious to do this in my game. But Tony does it really well. So what? Well, what- in the article. <laughs> um, well, you obviously you you have must have some experience doing it well because the article did provide some really good ideas and suggestions. But uh, what? So when when would you use this tactic, and what types of things would you be using it to convey to players? So right right off the top, um, if you're going to do this for one or two to your players for even before we get into the reasons, it's got to be available for everybody. Yes. And some of your other players may have zero interest in this. They're like role play outside the game. I barely have time to think about what I'm doing in the game. So they're not thinking outside of the game, but some players are going to really dig into it and they're going to love it. And next thing you know, you got an email chain that's, you know, 15 emails deep and you're like, wow, like how long has this been going on? Like I didn't realize how big this was getting. If you were doing something that wasn't for all audiences, for example, if I was in my Curse of Strahd game and I was going to betray the party and I said I was going out for beers, but I was really going to go see Strahd, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go murder my friends. Great example of that. Yeah. Because even if the players have no clue what I'm doing, they're all going to turn into Sherlock Holmes and be like, hey, he was gone for 33 minutes. What was up with that? And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, okay, so you mentioned it has to be available to all players. Is this something that you would be bringing up in like a session zero that, hey, this is a, a, something I like to explore doing? Are you guys up for this? Or how, how does it come up? That's an excellent place to put it. Uh, you have to establish ground rules and what you can and cannot do in these sessions. The really the purpose of these sessions is that, like, for example, if one of your characters uh, was doing something that was very important to them, but not necessarily important to the group this is a great opportunity yeah in this way we could turn around and we could do you know a several minute deeper scene where your character was the star of it and they're driving everything 
versus where you're going on for like 10, 15 minutes and I've got six or other seven players like staring at me going like, okay, like I, I've been at the bar. Like, can I get a drink? Right. Uh, okay. Thorne, you have lots of experience as a dungeon master as well. So possibly a, a dungeon master might be listening to this and thinking, I don't have time to prep for my game, let alone now all these side quests you want me to do with my players in between games. So, but what really like, how can, what's like, what's the prep like? Like what would a dungeon master really have to prepare and, and what's the best form for them to, you know, to, to do this, this type of thing. Cause really like we don't want our DMS to have to work harder than they already are, but no, absolutely. And I know, and it's funny because I remember in fourth edition, they really, I felt like, I felt like the fourth edition of Dungeons and Dragons tried to pull back on this stuff and make the DM just another player. But what I kind of found out with that was, was I want to be involved. I want to be more in control of the story. Hey, I'm not just another player. I'm, I'm invested in a, in a different way because I'm running the whole world. Right. So you want to do some of this stuff. Um, now, it's interesting you mentioned prep because out of the three of us, I am, Tony is the most prepped DM and I am the most improvisational DM. And I will literally just kind of think about like what I want to do. What you know, over the course of the week heading into the game, I'll be thinking, what do I want to do? And sit down an hour before, make sure I have the stuff in front of me to make it happen. Um, so so I'm really flying by the seat of my pants a lot. I'm comfortable with that. When I've used this tactic though, what I tend to do is whatever the messaging format we're in. And, and ideally, I like to do it in email or in social media messaging because I can do it from a computer then and actually type versus yeah. versus texting, is I'll usually send them something. A great example of this was we had a player who uh, got the Don John out of the deck of many things. And mm -hmm. first of all, their character's gone because they decided to shoot to, to draw six cards. And the first two cards were like, gave them like, you know, like six levels and a billion gold piece uh, so all of a sudden like yeah i'm all set now i'm in now yeah. my soul's gone my body's just here so i use this technique in that situation to write them and assure them okay you're, 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 the game's not ruined um here's what's going on and i'll actually write the whole scene and like give them a descriptive book like scene of here's what you're seeing here's what you're experiencing in this particular case i decided to play it out that an old his arch nemesis had actually planted this as a trap to get him caught, to get to catch his soul. And he's in like a, a ruby bottle on this guy's desk. So I write that out of the scene and then I ask them, what are they doing? And I talk about, okay, so how do you want to handle this? We have some options on how we want to handle this. And that, that's a good time for it because that's something the rest of the party isn't involved in. And also mm -hmm. it's really up in the air as far as how are we going to proceed? Because I don't know until I hear what the player is comfortable with and how we're going to do it. Um, so things like that, I tend to do that way. Uh, visions, anyone communing with their deity, I'd rather do out of the tape, uh, kind of outside a game than in game. All because, oh, uh, although in game, you know, you, you could, because they're getting a vision just to themselves, right? So it's better. I, I'd rather type that to them and have them relay what they want to relay or not based on that new players coming in background story of course you know you, you hear what they want to do with the character and then i usually send an email of, okay so here's what that means and how it fits into the world and if it's a new character a new player coming into the group i often give them a lot uh background to bring into the story which works sometimes and other times you have a player who doesn't share things so you just have a huge info dump that is now locked in a box of shyness <laughs> <laughs> you're not, that isn't quite getting out to the party, but I tend to use it that way more. Um, in the curse setting, I probably would use it as well. I think that's a good that's a, that's a good time to use it. But again, you need to get buy in. You talk to them first. Say, hey, here's what I want to do. 
is this, you know, can we go with this? Can, can, can you play this out? And if so here, and if as long as they're okay, then it's okay. Here's what you're experiencing. You know, the kind of those things that the rest of the party really shouldn't know about is where I tend to like to use it. Um, and prep wise, it's just as long as it takes me to type that bit of uh, exposition. Okay. Okay. That's good. That seems manageable. I, believe think? me, I try to keep it as manageable as I can. <laughs> that, that is the name of my idea. Yes, I know. I, I think it's it's always so cool to learn about some different tactics for dungeon masters, but also, you know, I know the, the time to prep varies depending on the person, but I always feel bad asking the DM to do something else. But. <laughs> well, I mean, tell me, oh, you prep a lot. Like, 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 how do you prep? I mean, how do you, how do you prep these things? Well, I like to prep very thoroughly. That makes me feel very confident going into the game. So if we were doing some back and forth, so for example, you had questions about an NPC, maybe even one that's in your party that you don't know very well, and this adds a great opportunity. It's late at night, you're at the end, you want to sit down and have a drink with this person and be like, hey, what's your story? Great. We could do it in a back and forth. We could put it in Google Docs and just go through that. I did something with that in... Dave's Curse of Strahd game where I was just uh, talking to an NPC. My character met his patron and this went on for like eight pages. Oh my gosh. See, it varies so, depending on the person. <laughs> yeah, you can be into it. Like if they're into yeah. it, you could now be in a, in a conversation for a, for a little while, but it's often worth it, you know, especially yeah. if the player's kind of driving it. It's just a matter of, I try to, oh, I try to manage how often I offer it and how key it is. I try to keep it out of the main story you know, because I can I can envision having a story where every one of the players has like out of game experiences with you where they learn a different secret that they need to figure out what's really going on. But then, you know, you have the one player who grabs it and runs with it. You have another player who immediately forgets it. You have another player who's like, oh, I thought that was just for me. I'm not supposed to share that with anyone else. And now it's like it, they don't all come together like you need them to. You kind of have to. Oh, if you yeah. have something like that, you've got to make sure you communicate. I intend for you to use this like this. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yes. That I could absolutely see that that potentially backfiring. And you did mention that some you know you have all this information now with a, a very shy player who maybe doesn't want or know how to share that. Um, but I I kind of thought this would be potentially a good tactic to use with new players too, um, just mm. to maybe give them a little bit of confidence and uh, a little one-on-one -on -one time with, with the dungeon master and they might start getting a little more comfortable with role-playing or just like, you know, the idea of like what you can do with your character and where you can take story. And it, it, especially if they didn't come to the table with like a really fleshed out backstory because they don't know that stuff. So do you think that might be a good tactic to use with the newer players or would it be too much pressure? That could be a really good tactic, especially if you can engage them. And when you're doing this kind of role play, one of the advantages of it is that you're doing story, you're doing character depth, but you're not really doing mechanical things. So your characters, like I might take, I take this character and having them go off in the forest and level grind. Absolutely not. But they are becoming a more evolved character. They're going to come to that table with more yeah. tools to work with in the first session. Okay. Yeah. And I actually, I agree. I think it is a really good tactic to use with a new player. It's just keep in mind if you're looking for, if you're counting on them to info dump, 
to, right. to, to make it clear and uh, don't, don't put too much pressure on them to do it. Like, yeah. Because I found uh, it depends on the new player entering the game. You, know, you have different kinds of players. A performer type player is going to be excited to be able to share it. But someone who's a little more introverted, a little more, you know, just kind of wants to kind of play the character and, and, and kind of stay quiet. You can sometimes you can get them out of the shell this way, but you can't necessarily put pressure on them to come out of the shell that way. You know what I mean? I do. Yes, that would be that is exactly the wrong thing I want to do with people who are already a little nervous about the role playing part. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think overall it's a good idea and it's, everyone should have some different knowledge of the world because they grew up here. Right. I mean, something they learned growing up in their culture and their habitat and the experiences they went through that's different from everyone else. And that, yeah, you almost have to deliver it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, that's really cool. Is there do you, any final thoughts you want to share with, with people on the topic? Tony, I'll throw it to well, you first. Okay. I would say make sure that you establish guidelines for this. Session zero is a great place for it. Let them understand that you're role, when you're role-playing outside the game, though, you are in the game. So this is, a, dare I say, it's live rounds. So I was in one session where I went to go talk to a powerful villainous NPC. I tried to strike a deal, and she was like, you're working for me now. And I'm like, nah and she beat me up. So these kind of things can happen in between. Thor remembers that. These I things do. can happen in between sessions. Um, make sure that everybody is good with that. But and also, um, it's really for developing the character and staying clear of uh, mechanical improvements on them during this time because that's not what it's there for. Otherwise, someone's going to go shopping and find the ring of wizardry that you wanted. And like, I want to go shopping too. Yeah. I guess the, uh, the one thing I'd add is if you want to pull the old switcheroo and the player character's action of the secret big bad evil guy, this is a good time to tell them about it and just make sure they're okay doing that. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, for, for me, it's almost like it's, it's a great trick when you have something that's important that only that one player knows about. And I, I think that's uh, that, that's a good way to do it. Otherwise, you know, make sure everyone's in and everyone really wants to uh, really wants to be in it. And then if they don't all want to be in it, you kind of have to be careful how you go about it you, because you don't want them getting unbalanced. You know, you don't want, you don't want the players having kind of feel like they have an unbalanced investment in the game across the table. Definitely. That actually, that's really important. That's true. Good tip. Um, and speaking of good tips, three wise DMs. You always have good tips for for dungeon masters here. So, oh, thank you. How yeah, can yeah, how can people find out more about the podcast and and read all these great articles that you put out as well and and where they can follow uh, you guys as well? Yeah, so uh, we have a website, freewisedms.com, and that has all of our articles and all of our podcasts on it. So that's a good place to start. Uh, the podcast uh, the podcast is available on pretty much any podcast platform you listen to. I, I believe we got them all. If not, let us know. We'll try to get it there. But it's just Three Wise DMs, and it's you know, Apple, Google. You'll be able to find it pretty much anywhere. Please, we lo- we'd love it. If you like it, we'd love the, that, that five-star rating. It certainly really helps us uh, quite a bit. And then we're also, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, all variations of three wise DMs. Um, when I say three variations, I just mean it's three wise DMs and just Facebook has some caps. <laughs> so we're, we're not hard to find yeah. wherever you're looking for us. And we're active in all those channels. 
And one of the big things we do actually is we take a lot of listener questions. So if you have something you want to hear us cover and you want to send it to us through email or go to or or send it to us on social media, we're always looking for new topics. It's one of the big ways that we know what we can help our listeners with. So, you know, if 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 you check out the show and you get into it, please feel free to send us a question you have. We'd love to help. That's amazing. Great. Thanks. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being here and taking the time. I am very excited about this idea and, uh, you know, I'll maybe follow up with some questions of my own when I put it into practice. Uh, We'd love to, we'd love to take them. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. We really appreciate this. It's been a lot of fun. Great. I'm so glad. Thanks guys. Uh, I have another food idea related to the rock of brawl. Yeah. Gnocchi made by Miyogi. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> another food truck. Gnocchi. Gnocchi. And it's oh, this, yes. this spider weasel creature snake thing that's cooking up gnocchi. Uh, I would enjoy that. Yeah. I started okay. watching... Uh, the Bear on uh, Hulu. It's a fantastic show. If you've I've been ever hearing about that in yes. a kitchen, if you ever well, you don't have to have worked in the kitchen, but it, it really is brings uh, the drama and characters of a gritty kitchen to life. And now I want to. I'm like, oh god, it would be so fun if that was like the setting of a D and D campaign that was like, you know, people who work together uh, in uh, uh, you know something that's not fantasy related, but then all of a sudden they have to get they get thrust into something that is very fantasy. I think that would be super fun, especially on something where like the Rock of Brawl. I was just gonna say you could totally do that on the Rock of Brawl. Just Which, maybe you're in the the kitchen of the Happy Beholder. Yeah. And oh, there's hear- actually there's a fa- a fancier restaurant there as well. I can't remember the name Ooh, of it, but Michelin that, starred. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's a good combo. All right, so we're going to hear all about The Rock of Brawl, Spelljammer, and amazing uh, stories from Shelly's playing of Jelly Goo right about now. Let's welcome Chris Lindsay to Dragon Talk. Yay! What's up? We have missed you, Chris Lindsay. Yes. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. It's been a hot minute since I've been on, like, you know, anything. <laughs> well, now you're on everything. Yeah. Cool. Well, Spelljammers we... and murder comets and Aww. pirate clowns. Pirate yeah. space vampire clowns. Yeah. Space the husks on. of dead gods. Just... The husks of a dead god. That's now right. we know why you've been absent for so long. You've been traveling through space. I have, in oh, point of fact. Why. Yeah, and I've you been, have an you have an aged a bit. Nope, not, you don't age in the deep astral. You don't That's do the way that. that. Works mm. no. So um, look for my new product line: deep astral face creams. <laughs> <laughs> that is what. That's what my character is going to do for a little side hustle. I've been hanging with my Githyanki peeps. Yeah, there you go. A little yeah, astral nope. elf, like poster child. Look at this mm-hmm. beautiful, radiant astral complexion. <laughs> astral. Astral. <laughs> Accent on the ass. Astral. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's how I'm going to taunt the astral elves in our <laughs> campaign. I get the Chris is like shaking his head, getting that like dungeon master. Nope. Uh-uh, not going to happen. You can do whatever you want. And oh, there oh. are repercussions for everything. Oh, there's an <laughs> astral elf. Well, that's true. You, you're dungeon mastering Shelly in a spell jamming campaign right now, right? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shelly and some other marketing peeps all wanted to play some spell jammer. And yep. uh, I volunteered uh, to run that game. And it is fun. Uh, I won't lie. That game is is filled with hilarity and energy and uh, people trying to figure out what to do. It is honestly like not because the people in the game are, are energetic and hilarious, although some are, but I think it's just inherent to this setting and to this game. The fact that I'm an ooze that sometimes I go into ooze form and my very best friend, who's a thrycreen, um, just picks me up and puts me in a basket and carries me around in my ooze state. It's just fun. And you let That's us true. do that, which is, you know, quite delightful. Ooze in a bucket. Ooze in a bucket. But then, but then I also like to just, that's the sound that I make when my limbs pop out of the ooze. And then I'm in like my humanoid form. I thought that was the sound of you suction cupping up the side of the of the spell jamming ship to attack. I have had to do that. I actually yeah. did fall off of the plank or the ladder or something, and I did like drip my oozy bits. That's we were even just hadn't even taken off yet, and I was off to a terrible start. That's what happens when you're an ooze on a, on a dynamic boat. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty wild. It's pretty amazing. And Chris, we need to know so much about. I kind of, or tell me, am I wrong? I've known you for many, many years. Yes. Am I wrong in thinking that I feel like you're extra excited about Spelljammer? I, I kind of am really excited about Spelljammer, mainly because of the possibilities it opens up in a D&D campaign. I and 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 I had a, an argument with somebody about this, um, whose name rhymes with Tulak, ah. and uh, oh, Tulak. And I had this discussion about the the tone and flavor of a Spelljammer campaign, and he insisted that it was all this zaniness and wackiness and stuff like that. But I tried to explain to him that Spelljammer could be pretty serious too. Mm. Um, and I, I I have another game that I run for my team, the product management team, and he's in that. And uh and any opportunity I have to show him how dark Spelljammer can get, uh, wow. I demonstrate very clearly. Um my HR my 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 Geiger comes out and the aliens run everywhere. Rock row. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think a lot of people have that perception, though. I I actually did at first when we first started talking about this setting coming back. I thought it was like I'm just gonna ride around on some space whales, and it was all like comedy and funny and whimsy. it can be that, and it that's can. cool. That's yes. that's the and it's just like every other part of Dungeons and Dragons. You can make this whatever you want it to be in space, right? Yes. So Spelljammer can be that really cool, zany, 
uh, Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, all that stuff that you want to do with all kinds of humor and funny and special funny voices and weird little aliens and stuff like that. And it can also be super dark. Yeah. Just like Ravenloft, right? Because there's the the cosmic horrors are sometimes even more creepy because you can't even fathom what the possible deepness and depth that they go to. Yeah, when your ship is being overrun by like, you know, star spawn, right? Mind flayers. It doesn't get any worse than that. Uh, We've gotten our butts kicked for sure. Um. (laughs) I'm still in pretty bad shape. Just because they look funny doesn't mean they can't like kick your butt. No, we're definitely getting <laughs> we're definitely getting our butts kicked for sure. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I'm I yeah, there's there's so, so many things that I could do with spell spell jammer that is really exciting because I my games tend to run the gambit of lighthearted and fun to 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 dark. Um, and uh, although I I won't lie, I tend to play in the darkness far more than I do in the lightheartedness. So, but this is a nice, it's a nice treat that you can take anything that you had in the regular D and D setting that you love playing in and put it into spell jammer and twist it and make it new again. Yeah. Uh, I like too that how that's in some ways how sci-fi you can run that gamut as well. Right. Like mm-hmm. and this is not sci-fi, but it's like, you know, got sci-fi elements within it, right? You can have pigs in space uh, on one spectrum, which space. is full-on, you know, <laughs> uh, parody almost of of, mm-hmm. of the genre, which, you know, some of Spelljammer, it, the images and, and what I've read it goes into that realm. And then, yes, you can have those things, these like horrible, unknowing darknesses uh, and dead gods to explore <laughs> Uh, as well as just uh, crazy events that occur throughout the course of this adventure that people are going to be like, have their what? Like, yeah, huge, absolutely plot turning things that are going to be amazing. I can't, I absolutely cannot wait to have like a Dowar, which is basically a little penguin guy. Yeah. But functionally, the Jawa of our setting, like, steal something off of somebody's ship and then try and sell it back to them. (laughs) (laughs) What? Spoiler alert, that's coming to uh, (laughs) Jelly Goo. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I was in a meeting earlier today with external partners and my name was still Jelly Goo on on the Zoom because we used the Zoom. So I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm not Jelly Goo. I'm Shelly Moo, which isn't that much better. Shelly Goo. <laughs> it feels like that's a name you've had in your back pocket for a while, Shelly, that you've always wanted to use. Jelly Goo? Jelly Goo. Just came to me. Really. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I didn't know I was going to be a plasmoid one day. I had no idea. The plasmoid yeah. names have all, the, the ones that I've seen anyways, they've all been very ooze-like. I mean, I've had, there's Jelly Goo, which is a lot of syllables for a plasmoid name that I've seen oh. um, in my, in my play test, it was slick, <laughs> the plasmoid like and, uh, and all kinds of fun stuff. So wait, his name was just slick. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And, I, that's, and he never assumed a humanoid form. Yeah. Ever. Oh, so I like he to just go back and forth just around the deck and then punched things. Now I want to make one named slipping Jimmy. <laughs> I want to make a new one called 
Boozy Oozy. Boozy Oozy. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a cocktail that I've invented, and it's also me. Oh my God, we need to have a Spelljammer launch party and serve Boozy Oozies. I, yeah. It's going to be very similar to the Frosés that we've enjoyed. Oh, Boozy Oozy can yes. change their colors by drinking different colored liquids and stuff, Ooh. right? Like hypercolor, uh, like drinks. Genera, Genera hypercolor sweatshirts for those eighties sure. children. <laughs> Remember, you could touch your sweatshirt and you, your handprint would. You, there used to be rules in my it's elementary like, school yeah. of being it's like able being to a, touch a, your classmates is not necessarily always oh, okay. Oh yeah, like, but I just want the color to change. You're like, mm, okay. The the remember the sequins. That flipped the flip yes. sequence. That was a similar thing. They were like, you can no longer just go up to your classmates and flip their sequins. <laughs> <laughs> Important lessons to learn about bodily autonomy. Yeah, you know you're in trouble in Spelljammer though when the villain, like a mind flare beholder, comes up, and gives you something really vibrant to drink, jelly goo, and then says, turns to their buddy and says, later on we're doing jello shots. Oh. <gasps> Dang. So rude. They're cannibals. Ew. <laughs> there are some very bitchy people I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with Chris's dungeon mastering. There style. Are, we have definitely encountered some very rude people. I uh, I was personally very excited to encounter Flapjack, the flump that I uh, fell in love with many moons ago. <laughs> and my character is very excited about this. Um about Flapjack as well. And Flapjack is totally rude to me. What a jerk. Uh, yeah. Why doesn't at, he like you? Uh, ask the guy in the corner of your screen yes. right now. Why Why does Flapjack <laughs> not like Jelly Goo? Uh, because Flapjack isn't convinced that, that they need a fan club. Mm. But Jelly Goo would like be the first on like custom tees to like make the Flapjack custom t fan club shirt already made it right yeah yeah and flapjack is just like nope i'm selling this one out <laughs> well that's what you think he's above <laughs> such things <laughs> whatever because he he likes money and uh you know that's that's how pirate flumps are i they usually like money yeah uh, i mean i could i could help in that regard monetize what about what? What's the merch here, Flapjack? Do you what's need the someone? merch here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some tumblers with your picture on it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, he does. Flapjack swag. What? Okay, so back to this this wonderful little setting of ours. So there's a lot of other things that we actually had to to think about, like oh, I don't know, breathing things that yeah. you don't have to always think about when you're just trotting around the forgotten realm somewhere well that's the thing is is that folks don't don't stop to consider like their environment yeah frequently when they are you know off and adventuring because they get to go places most of the time where where oxygen is uh quite plentiful but (laughs) um you know that's another thing about Spelljammer that I really love is that it's kind of like being out underneath the ocean, mm. right? So, cause you can't breathe there either. Uh, and you got to get, you know, some magic going or something happening in your game in order to make it so you can survive, just survive the environment before you even 
start to think about like adventuring. <clears throat> and then of course, once you get to the deep astral, who knows whether you breathe or not, but you don't need air anymore. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about the deep astral. The deep astral is a place where the gods live. All of the, the planes that are, uh, that are out there where the, where various and sundry deities live uh, are attached to the deep astral. And so that explains why gods don't, don't really age either, I guess, once you get them out there. Um, but uh, so deep astral is this place where you can go, you don't age, you don't need to breathe or eat or drink and, and all this other stuff. And you can spend all kinds of time contemplating the fact that you can't see further than 100 feet away um, because of all the silvery mist all around you. And then as you're traveling through there, you can see all kinds of weird things that that have been discarded over the ages from different like civilizations and mm. so forth. And that's where you find the husk oh. of, of a dead god. We've seen and that. Not that you're looking. Yeah, like in nowhere, you can go in and explore the inside of that guy or or gal, as the case may be, or not either guy or gal, just thing. Uh, Maybe your dead god was a giant mushroom. Who knows? Um, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you must, says Flapjack. Oh, if Flapjack wants me to, then I would. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true, um, and that's the place where where a lot of not a lot of, but there are there are species that spend their time out there plotting and planning their return to to power. Um, the Githyanki, for example, spend a lot of time out there in the deep in, astral. In the deep astral, yeah. So yeah. can I, I? I'm just. Maybe other people will have questions about this too, because I mean, most of most of them haven't even seen the product yet by the time this sure. is even airs. So this is something that I just get a little confused about. Sure. So let's just talk about it. The deep astral versus the astral sea versus wild space. There seems like there's what, there's a whole what, lot of names you just what's threw out the there. difference? <laughs> okay, so just stop and we'll back up here just a little bit. Yes. So. Wild space in is a silvery kind of, void. There's another kind one. of like an envelope around the system uh, where you live, right? So, for example, uh, the system where Toral is, the Forgotten Realms, um, is called Realm Space, and that whole area around Toral and any other associated uh, astral bodies, like planets, the, the sun. Okay. Moons, that sort of thing, are all that's all astral. Uh, that's all the wild space, right? And that's where you cannot breathe. Once now that the the wild space around that, though, you know, it, think of it kind of like a, a big envelope. And and once you get outside of the envelope, you are in the astral sea, also referred to as the silvery void. <laughs> okay, but so those are one in the same. Yes. Okay. And uh, uh, and once you're there, you are now officially full on in the astral plane. And certain rules the, apply once you're oh. in the silvery void. 
Okay, now we're on the astral plane. We have left on, the envelope yeah. of wild space. Hmm. Yes, you've yeah, that wild space is a protective bubble around all the places where you live, and then, and then, and then throughout, like you know, the silvery void throughout, you know, the astral plane. There are these various systems. Each one has their own envelope of wild space around it and you can go out and you can encounter all the different worlds of Dungeons and Dragons out there. Um, and then the deep astral means what? Like a deepest part the, the, of... The, the deep astral um, is the astral sea. Okay. Is, but is just the silvery void. Up. Yeah. Yeah. If that's that place where you're just, you know, you're out there and... You know, now that I'm thinking about it, the astral sea could very well be just like all of it, like wild space and the deep astral combined, right? Then there's the deep astral, which is the silvery void, and then there's wild space, which is your envelope. Do you see why I'm confused? <laughs> no, I don't see why you're confused at all. <laughs> I have it straight in my head. I can picture it all right here. I have no idea where, we, at what <laughs> point in the adventure was I in wild space? You are, you've not left wild space. You I haven't even gone out space. there. No. Okay. No, you're still I'm in, still in the envelope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, and there are diagrams and maps and, and things. Oh, yeah. The product that, that show that off and, 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 and like make it a little bit more clear for me. You, you will get, you will get the opportunity in your adventuring experience to go into the silvery void. I guarantee it. Uh oh. Here we go. Is that where the silvery surfer lives? No. <laughs> that's where that's where my roots live. <laughs> that's where my my wonderful beard hairs live. <laughs> Not about, any other hairs of my body. I will does. tell you in about a week's time I will be leaving the silvery void <laughs> thanks to my thanks to my wonderful hairstyle. Yeah, I thought that was your nickname that uh, that Bart gives you. <laughs> <laughs> Silvery void. Silvery void. Get out of here. Uh, yes. Not going there. Not nope. even a little bit. Nope. <laughs> but you will in your adventure, which is important. Anything yes. is can happen in an adventure. Anything. And and Bart yeah. is actually in that game too. Have you? Yes, he is. Chris Lindsay, have you been following uh, the adventures as written with this group, or are you having fun using that as like a basis and then jumping off and improving as you are wont to do? The the two groups that are are like marketing and um and then the product management team they have essentially been following because they both groups kind of they kind of requested that we we play the adventure. Mm. Um, now that said, uh, within the confines of the adventure, you can still have wildly differing experiences based on decisions that you make, and both groups have had. Wildly different experiences based on the decisions they've made. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Then they've had some very similar you know, experiences as well. Um, but uh, yeah, you never know. It's really kind of driven by the players and, and what they want to do. Do you think that's going to be a typical way that people do it where they, 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 they get this product, they look through the adventure, they want to get through and play with their friends? And, you know, as we've said, there's only like 12 chapters uh, that have, you know, kind of, sessions around do you think people are going to then explore you know all of the wonders of the astral sea more i, I hope that? so i hope so yeah i hope they i hope they they look at all of the materials they have available to them 
like say in the Astral Adventures Guide and uh, Boo's Astral Menagerie, and they and they take advantage of some of that stuff that may or may not be featured in the adventure itself. And if they if they find anything they really like, they they play with it, right? So um, now now in the other two groups that I'm running. Um, those are one-hour game sessions, so it's really hard to diverge too much off of the thing without making the running of the adventure take forever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but when you have a, a more traditional game setting where you're playing for three or four hours at a time, there are all the opportunities abound. There are so many things you can do. Um, the Rock of Brawl is definitely our Moss Eisley, and there's so much more I want to do with that. That, yes, when you and I had, oh, we were toying around with some marketing ideas with the Rock of Brawl, and you were explaining yeah. about some of the places you can visit and the and the characters you can meet. Let's, There's, can we, can we talk a little bit about this? this so many cool place? people in the Rock of Brawl, and they're all criminals, every one of them, <laughs> up to, up to, and including. But trying to make a living. The yeah. people in charge, like, the, the the guy who rules over the Rock of Brawl is still like a crime boy. He's basically Jabba the Hutt, only he's prettier. Uh, <laughs> he's prettier. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, I just want to run my own like Boba Fett style series inside the Rock of Brawl. That would be awesome. <sighs> yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Like that there's there's this whole setting within a setting here. Uh and 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 Perkins was talking about it that you know you could run an entire like city-based campaign that's absolutely you know, twinged with with sci-fi tropes and things like that, just on the set on the Rock and, of Brawl. And, and you'll see cool idea. all kinds of cool, weird science fiction-y fantasy type things that you don't normally see in a DD campaign. Um and uh yeah no i i absolutely agree with with chris on this and that you know you can uh do a tremendous amount and then you can have take opportunities to like you know leave the rocket brawl and then come back right, right. on missions and things base. if you want to there are various companies of mercenaries and and other adventurers and so forth that are there that you can compete with or join or whatever your DM decides that they want to do. Mm. The Ravagers from uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy or something similar. Oh, you could yeah. They have orders and, and uh, infiltrating into various organizations. Like, that seems so fun. Yeah. And if you want to get political, you could, like, take each one of those little heads of of each group, right, and put them on a central council where they all talk about whose territory is whose, and there's all kinds of wild stuff you could do. It'd be really fun. You can make it like um, uh, the Expanse, Beltaloda. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Personally, I want to do something with the Doar because I'm just uh, the idea of space penguins. Just I love space penguins. Yeah, what is there? And, tell us more about them. Where where do they come from in your in 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 the canon and then in your head canon? <laughs> I I don't know where they where they came from in the original because is of all the things that that there were in the original Spelljammer series, I don't remember them ever popping up, and it's just because maybe that wasn't what was catching my attention way back when in the nineties and so forth, um, but. But the way they're described, like, you know, in a, in the book, a group of Dowar 
is a cartel. Interesting. Which is awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's not see, a flock of seagulls. It's a cartel of it, penguins. That it doesn't because they're so secretive. It doesn't matter whether they're doing a legitimate business um, exchange or they're or they're breaking the law. They still like do their do their like business in like dark alleyways and stuff mm-hmm. to stay out of the sight of others because they're twitchy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right. And then on the other side of the, the scope, you have the Mercanes who are selling spell jamming helms and, and other magical knickknacks and, and ships and things. Uh, and they're like big corporate, you know, folk. And to have the little guys, the door, have to seek out an adventure against the Mercane. And then you just, I'm going to say it. Uh-oh. The name of the adventure should be Doe War. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think you should write some fanfic. They also uh, have competing um, food trucks selling donuts uh, that are it's a big oh, part of this dough D-O-U-G-H-N. Okay, competing food trucks would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to totally steal that idea. <laughs> and possibly even maybe a new uh, TV series on Food Network. Dough Wars. Dough Wars. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, the... The, the super fancy <laughs> colored donuts and stuff like that. And then down to the door who's selling fish biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a new faction arrives and it's anthropomorphic uh, female deer. And they're oh. like, hold on a second. We're the only does in town. Oh, boy. Oh, you went right there. <laughs> <laughs> That this kind is of a different kind of campaign. This hilarity <laughs> can happen very easily on the Rocket Brawl. Just gonna say, see how easy it is to inspire mm-hmm. stories <laughs> right here on the Rocket Brawl. And In don't airport. forget Luigi, the happy Luigi. beholder. Oh well, who can forget? Tell us about the Luigi. Yes. Happy Luigi. I, I we he, we just had a drink pro- with him. He's the proprietor. Luigi yeah. Laughing Luigi is the proprietor, of the happy beholder <laughs> on the Rocket Brawl. Yes. And he's a beholder. He has a, a, an enormously massive green parrot that he, you know, sits on a little stand behind the bar. Unless, you know, Crux is there and then he hangs out with Crux. But Crux? Uh, mm. Crux is the is an is a gif. And if you haven't experienced the gif yet, uh, who doesn't love an anthropomorphic hippopotamus person with talks in a blustery British accent and likes blood. Sure. Because, you know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's for funsies. And likes explosives, you know? So if you want to get your, uh, your exploding ship on, find a gif. <laughs> our, the gif in our party played by Brandy Camel. Belinda. Is- yeah, she's very loving and sweet and takes good care of us. Uh-huh. No, yeah. the gift can very definitely motherly. be like that. It yes. doesn't mean they don't like explosions, right? No, no, she she definitely likes her explosions. Yeah, she she has uh, Belinda has has a musket last time I checked and she fires it <laughs> with wild abandon once <laughs> combat begins. And uh, accuracy is optional. <laughs> just more more about the the explosion. 
Yeah, it it is. It is. So in getting them to duck. Um, well, okay. So you're we talked a little bit about the GIF just now mm-hmm. and, and a little bit about plasmoids and how cool and oozy they are. But there's <laughs> lots of there's six new player races in here, there which are. is very exciting. So there what are. can you tell us about the other ones that we can we have the uh, one of my personal favorites are the Hadozi. Uh, I did encounter them a long time ago, back when the original Star Frontiers was released. The Hadozi, um, they back then they were called Yazirians, and I guess technically they still are Yazirians because the Hadozi come from the the planet Yaz, so that would make you a Yazirian, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a kind of a jungle planet where they jump from tree to tree and they can glide because they have those large, you know skin flaps that go from their wrists to their ankles. Um, and uh, I love I love the idea of playing a Hadozi gliding in midair and firing guns and making things explode in acrobatics and all kinds of crazy stuff you can see. Um, but uh, in addition to them, gosh, what else do we have going on in this book? Uh, <clears throat> um. We have plasmoids. We have mm-hmm. the GIF. We have uh, astral elves or astral ast- elves. Astral elves. Astral elves have quite a powerful empire, uh, according to our lore. Of course, you can do what you want with them if you so chose. But the astral elves—they left the, the the worlds of the Feywild and in the forests, and they went to become more in touch with their gods by going out into the astral sea, right? Into the deep astral and, uh, to find their, their gods. And they they feel like they're closer to their gods out there, right? And that whole experience over generations has changed them. Mm-hmm. So they are quite a different species of elf, for sure. Their eyes are um, very cool. Yes. Their eyes are dark. They have dark eyes with like uh, golden and triangles. With this, in them. Yeah, almost like they've been staring at the stars for too long, right? And it's imprinted on their eyeballs. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that is neat. And mm. uh, now, now I kind of want to be an astrolabe. They shoot lasers from their from their bows. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going to say they shoot them from. No, when they shoot uh, lasers out of their bows, does it go pew pew pew? If you'd like. <laughs> Good. That's, uh, that's, I do like. Usually, <laughs> usually, usually the sound the sound that the players make at that point is ah, get out of the way. <laughs> well, unless you've got a party of astral elves, which I think, as elf lovers and Vulcan lovers from Star Trek, we all would enjoy. Yeah, astral elves aren't like super calm like Vulcans are. They're more like Romulans, if you want to say a thing. Dude. All right, all right. They're ready to get into it. They want to fight. They yeah. both got pointy so, ears, but only one of them bleeds green. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, the astral elves are are really rude, really fun, and and I won't lie, they're they're you know largely the villains of our of our adventure. However, that doesn't mean you shouldn't play an astral elf. I mean, there are some yeah. some very. Um, interesting role play opportunities that arise when you come from the people that like dominate everything and you get to experience what it's like to be around people who aren't perhaps in a dominant position. Right. 
um, and experience what it's like to be uh, on the wrong side of your own people's laws. So that's how D and D teaches empathy, as we've mm-hmm. said, and that's how we teach empathy. That's right. right. That's right. So you get to understand. More, there's one more type of auto. character. Auto. The auto gnomes are awesome. <laughs> um, auto gnomes awesome. are like <laughs> warforged with with more whimsy and character. I think because mm. the auto gnomes are a little construct dudes made in the image of the gnome that crafted them typically. And then for whatever reason, they have been left to their own devices and they are out adventuring on their own. Oh, so they're droids. They're C-3PO. Or oh, R2-D2. Or R2-D2. Right? Um, we have an autonome in, in, in Shelly's party. Um, He's amazing. Yes, and he is a bard. So imagine an auto gnome with built-in speakers. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, singing the... Welcome to the Astral. Yeah. Very his name is Axel and he his does name is Axel, yeah. do a lot of Guns N' Roses covers. Welcome <laughs> to the Astral. <laughs> we got, got fun games. games. We we honestly do. <laughs> yeah. And you can play those games on my touchscreen chest. and and axel likes to put out the thunder wave and all the other things that bards do uh and jeff treats us to song lyrics every time nice i know i think he really like writes lyrics (laughs) he has like a whole repertoire he steals them from other songs that are popular yeah, but he um, crafts them so that they're themed for our game. I oh, I think I think more thought goes into it than you think it does. <laughs> <laughs> In the Venn diagram, it's C three PO and Weird Al Yankovic, and then yes, <laughs> very much. Uh, I'm pretty sure, Shelley, that more thought goes into it than I would be comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking about this too hard. He's thinking about this too hard. That's right. Yeah, but having fun. At the end of the day, we have a good time, and Axel is a stalwart adventuring companion for sure. Totally. Yes, he is solid, and uh, can't wait to see what he does next. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling that reminds you. me of my uh, my my bar that I played in the Avernus campaign. That was uh, basically glam rock, David Lee Roth and David Bowie, and he used his wands as microphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, would sing things like Devil Inside, which was very oh, uh, good one very on the I, nose. I want to see like a uh, a sibling of Axel that like with their their chest pops out and there's a couple of like turntables on it and they you know <laughs> spin the records right. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and then have a, a lizard folk friend, uh, and his name will be Axel Otto. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. you guys are punny. Tonight. I'm on fire. <laughs> I, like, no, I, think I'm, I think I'm burning. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were Inside. very warm before very we started recording in your basement. That's I don't know why it's hot in my basement, but alarming. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Can't be. Can't be nothing wrong with that. Uh, so. Well, I'm excited for you, uh, Chris Lindsay, not only for Spelljammer, but because you are traveling to a castle. 
I am. I'm going to go to D&D in the castle this uh, this fall. I'm going to be there uh, in October uh, for the last two sessions, session seven and session eight. Uh, I believe there are still spots at my tables uh, for anybody who wants to experience the deepest, darkest parts of the Astral Sea show yeah. up and we'll play. Um, it will be scary. I guarantee it. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be there on Halloween night in a castle. Oh, that's purportedly haunted. Well, yeah. I mean, every castle with haunted, my good right? buddy Jason Carl. And if we can get Jason to do a seance, that would be perfect. Ooh, <laughs> you be careful, Mr. Lindsay. Oh, yeah, don't come <laughs> back, do not you know become a host for <laughs> any... don't be bringing that crap back here <laughs> <laughs> don't bring the ghost from the castle back what are no. you doing no i copped it in this bottle of beer <laughs> <laughs> that is super cool though i mean talk about immersion gaming it's You're- really fun do you need a castle is something i've done once before and uh my my players uh lacked for no entertainment they had such a great time and i had such a fantastic time with them and we played for like three days straight. It was like, gosh, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six times four is 24 hours or so of gaming in one single storyline over the course of like a long weekend, basically. Right. That's so cool. And they have the same dungeon master the entire time. You come back, uh, back then, I don't know what we're going to be doing this time, but the back then we would come back to the meals and somebody from each group would have to volunteer to get up in front of the whole group and talk about what happened in the last game session. Oh. And that, that was that. awesome. That would be fun. Yeah, right? Because everybody gets to participate a little bit. In, yeah, in and so we all get to hear what's going on at the other tables as well because yeah. it's wildly different from DM to DM. You never right. know, right? So like B-Dave is out there running his thing and, you know, and then we have, you know, GM Tim out there running his thing and they're, they've they got something different going on, both of them. And, uh, well, it's not the same adventure, right? It's all you guys kind of no, make your whatever own adventures. The DM and the players come up with. Yeah. Oh, and the players. Well, yeah, because the DMs. Uh, at least I, I, I tend to. I reach out to my players ahead of time, and I find out we talked about like their characters and stuff, uh, and then I made sure as I was crafting my adventure that there was something special for every character. Mm. So uh, at some point in our in our fun in our stories that we were we were playing through each character had a spotlight shined on them and they uh got to experience something quite unique that was yeah. directly in accordance with with the character they made and they came to play with you're it a was good fun. dungeon master chris Lindsay. he really is i that's do my best very nice to do and i think that's for that type of a premium experience i mean i think that's that's all anybody it's, wants Seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. <laughs> they also need hugs, lots of hugs, uh, but you give them story hugs. Yeah, we, story we, hugs. we had a good time, and uh, we did all that sort of thing. That we, we hung out pretty much all day long. We ate our meals together. We played D&D together, Aww. just like family at the end. So, I love that. We freaked out when people made really horrible decisions in game <laughs> together. <laughs> <laughs> that's when all the fun occurs. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's what it means to be a D and D party. It's true. 
And then you get to have this like amazing backdrop of like being in a castle and seeing all the Baroque uh, architecture and furniture and things like that. And sometimes that just that the setting can inform the storytelling too, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, And uh, as you experience the things, you can use your setting as part of your adventures if you want to. Um, Yeah. And I'd heard uh, Elisa Teague when she had ran things, uh, our, our, friend and colleague who is known for creating wonderful puzzles. Many of the puzzles yeah. from, from uh, is, was it, it wasn't Xanathar's, it was Tasha's? Tasha's. Tasha's called it of everything, yeah. yeah. Tasha's yeah. and Winter puzzles uh, were put in there, which are great. They're really fun to use. But then she took parts of the room that were, you know, just physical things and used those as elements in the puzzle uh, that was being run at the table. And I just thought that's such a great immersive experience. You know, it's not quite an escape room, but it had those elements of feeling like you were physically in the same place that your characters were. That's definitely a strength for for Elisa. And she shines brightly in that setting where she can manipulate her surroundings to fit in with her game like that. Um, I just think that's so. so cool. It was it was a hoot uh, to see her players running around like chickens with their head cut off, figuring out what, what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> what every dungeon master dreams of. Uh huh. Yeah, it reminded me. I did, did you? I don't know if this is a this is probably a northeast thing, uh, but there are all these mansions in like Rhode Island and and Connecticut that you can like tour as like. Yeah. Barber Baron, you know, people like the Rockefellers and stuff and had like had these like mansions that you can tour. One of them was named the Breakers or something. And I remember just being like, huh, there's this motif of yes. an acorn happening in each of these rooms. Like, what is that? And I, in my little, you know, 11-year-old brain was trying to be like, what if there was a puzzle and there's like a, a treasure that's stored here that we're going to unlock or like, you know, some type of long lost will that's in here. And, you know, and that's the type of stuff that I think uh, is just so wonderful when it comes to life in a and d campaign. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Right? And uh, though when you can't figure out what the truth is because they won't let you into the cabinet, uh, you can make it up yourself. <laughs> like yes. you guys are just not getting this puzzle oh it opens <laughs> just kidding oh. chris yeah. would make us work for that there's no way he would just open a puzzle <laughs> i made puzzles are players fun. work yeah gave lots of hints gave lots of hints <laughs> slash solutions. yeah i had a puzzle that we did uh, at a game that I ran last year, and uh, it was quite difficult. It was very challenging. Um, and right now, for the life of me, I cannot remember what the style of puzzle was uh, off the top of my head, but um, uh, it got turned into a really cool team-building exercise for <laughs> uh, for the product managers, though, when I came back from that experience. Uh, and they... All together with Liz Shu, they all puzzled over this thing for uh, probably an hour and a half before they got it all figured out. It was that's great, awesome. Um, and if I could, remember, I wish I could remember what that type of is a certain type of puzzle, like like Sudoku is a puzzle, right? It's not, yeah. but it wasn't Sudoku; it was something else. Gosh, what was it called? I can't remember. Um, that cool. was fun though. Yeah, and that that can be that 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 team building experience, right? That brings everybody together, which is so great for right. a setting like D anD D in a castle, where there might be absolutely play together, and there might be strangers, right? And so all of a sudden, after yeah. accomplishing something like that, it's like, oh, we're all working on firing all cylinders here. 
because you can bring the whole thing with you and then set it up and it all looks in world at that yeah. point right because you're in the castle and you got the whole thing um there's a picture of me uh, online of, of uh, looking up at two different things and I was describing and my hands are up like this and I wasn't like <laughs> rocking out or anything. Uh, I was, I was describing where they were based on the surroundings of the, the cathedral like room that we were in. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, it was awesome. So. Um, cool. Well, the if other, anybody is interested in playing with Chris Lindsay. Yep. Now's the time. Do it. Sign up. I can attest he's very good. He's a very good dungeon master. He lets we'll have move. some fun. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? <laughs> In my creepy haunted castle on Halloween. <laughs> I would like to play yes. Global Thermal. Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> only, only game is the only way to win is not to play. Uh, except you should play with Chris <laughs> Never mind. Uh, that's awesome. And you should play Dandy. Uh, I love playing Dungeons and Dragons with you. It's been a while since we had a, uh, a work campaign game, but it's always been super fun. And I uh, hope we get to roll dice again soon. It won't be too much longer. When uh, or what or how can people get in touch and or find out about all the fun things you're doing, including D&D in a castle and if- gamers? They want to see me online. I am at uh, Ravens underscore watching uh, on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. Ravens underscore watching. Watching. Yes. Excellent. Mm. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks for coming on. uh, Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk with you about uh, all the fun things. So it was super fun. And like a super fun thing that you also worked on that we can't talk about yet. Oh, but soon. Mm. But we will soon. Sorry, I just had a. It's usually Greg that's like, oh, in a big teasery thing. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Chris Lindsay. We love you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Chris Lindsay. Chris Lindsay is such a wonderful person. I'm so jealous that you get to play Spelljammer with him. You want to be in our game? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. All right. I'll guest slash join and we join can it. wreak havoc across the astral sea together. Oh, that'll be a delight. Let's do it. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, beam okay. me up, Shelly Jelly Goo. Ah, uh, oh, uh, beep. There you go. <laughs> I love that you're like, how do I yes and this? <laughs> where, where? Where's that button? Where's that beam? Where's that beam button? The beaming button. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. You'll love it. Sweet. Well, Spelljammer Adventures in Space is coming out August 16th. There's also something else coming out August 16th. And then uh, you'll be finding out a whole lot more about what's to come at Wizards Presents on August 18th. Look at all of our social channels for that, uh, but you should really pay attention if you are a fan of Dungeons and or Dragons and or Magic <laughs> and or The Gatherings. Yes. There's and a I lot of caveats and slashes in there, but you, you uh, are. you'll learn a lot. You will. Exciting stuff. Talk full. Very cool. Very cool. Very Follow excited. along on uh, at D&D Beyond. There's lots of great content dropping there as well as at playdnd.com. Yeah. Hey, if you're new to the D&Ds or looking for some resources to help 
get new players onboarded, um, check it out. As Greg said, playdnd.com. We have lots of cool videos to help you, um, you know, just start playing Dungeons and Dragons right away. And there's a brand new starter set out there. If you're in the U.S., it's available at Target right now. Um, so let's dragons bring in of Stormwreck Isle. Yeah, there's dragons in it. Dragoons, even because that's what every new player always asks for. Where's the dragons? Yeah. You promised me some dragons. Let me have a dungeon or a dragon at least, or maybe even both. Yeah, it's in the name. So, it's on the table. Anyway, do it. Very exciting. Very follow exciting. along on D D Beyond for all that as well, and you can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I've got a Star Trek podcast if you're interested in sci-fi musings of Star Trek The Next Generation. We're in 1990, about to end season three with Re-Engage. Uh, you can find that on podcast. And I'm making a short film called Ex-Husband Short Film later on this month in LA, which is super exciting. I think there's casting notices up for that. Uh, oh so my God, that's so People exciting. in Los Angeles might be even submitting auditions as we speak, uh, which is pretty cool. That's so exciting. Yeah, I can't wait for that. What All about right. you, Shalou? I am as Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. So, you know, let's let's talk to me about Spelljammer because that's really all I like talking about right now. Also, talk to me about kids playing D&D because that's the other thing that I seem to only be talking about right now. Yeah. And our book, Welcome to Dragon Talk. Oh, and that's the third thing I like to <laughs> always. And then the fourth thing the is fourth my thing son's is- loose tooth. That- <gasps> He's got a loose tooth? A loose molar. He was just, oh, I'm not ready for that. Shouldn't just, those stay in his mouth a little longer? Just rip them all out. That's what I say. Oh, <laughs> I can't do the, the teeth thing. That is all Bart. The teething is all Bart. Yes. Although I did quite enjoy playing the Hexblood Sorcerer from Ravenloft when I got, I pulled out my own teeth all the time. And your that character And my fingernails and just, you know, left them. Yeah. It's just communication devices. I like that. That makes sense. Uh, speaking of communication, you, as Drunky Two-Shoes, have been trying to get back in touch with Daryl Two-Shoes. You've been transported to another place, another plane Beautiful. of existence, the ethereal plane, and you have been on a uh, very cosmopolitan, green, vibrant, colorful city with a huge uh, amethyst-colored crystal uh, that is going uh, in, through the center of this. It's the only landmark you can really see other than buildings and things around you and bustling uh, people. And uh, none of them seem to give you too much of a notice. One of them did uh, look at you and just uh, kind of say what's up and you uh, were looking for a drink, I believe, and wandered into a tavern. Yeah. Hello? Uh, uh, hello? Uh, you see uh, several different uh, types of creatures. You see a, a human uh, behind the bar. Uh, a man is there, and he's dressed in uh, red robes. Uh, and he, he uh, kind of cuts through the din. There's lots of different people. There's halflings there. There's uh, elves. There's uh, creatures that you actually have no uh, description for, but they're humanoid and they're conversing in a, in, in common, uh, in the common language too. So you get like, you know, snippets of conversation, but, uh, through it all, the proprietor, uh, behind the bar and the red robes just says, to you, Hey, we got a newcomer. Welcome. Welcome to the Radiant Citadel. 
Oh, hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome. Come on in. What can I get you to drink? You look uh, thirsty. Yes, I'll just have your, uh, whatever your special is and make it a uh, double. She asked for the special, everyone. And he uh, goes behind him and you see a large bell and he goes, ding, 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 ding. And they all go, yay. Oh. Uh, and they pull out uh, a big, uh, almost like a punch bowl uh, that was underneath the, the bar. And he kind of sets it on top and he gets a big uh, golden ladle uh, that's encrusted with all kinds of different colored jewels. Uh, and he pulls out a ladle and gets this uh, a nice ornate cup for you and pours it for you. And he goes, here you are. Welcome. This is our special punch. Oh, cool. Thank you. It's called the Drunky Two-Shoes. Whoa. Wait, I'm sorry, what? That's Where... the name of our special drink. Who, who, who named that? My ancestor did. Your ancestor? Yes. Um, who, who's it named after? Well, that story is lost to time. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we just did something that we've always served here. It's got a fruity, uh, kind of bouquet and, uh, well, if you drink enough of it, you'll certainly feel it. Wow. That's really cool. Um, so I have a question for you. Um, I've never been means, here. First, first you must take a sip. And they're all I, looking at you, and they're you know they, they had just been cheering, and they're like about to. <laughs> can I do like an insight check on my drink? <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, okay. Uh, a nineteen. A nineteen. I'm super thirsty. Um, he seems really excited, uh, very friendly, uh, and he knows that it's hard to sometimes arrive at this place, and sometimes people do, uh, and this has just been his way of, of showing welcome uh, to people. Uh, and yeah, and the people around you all seem genuinely uh, expectant and uh, happy to, you know, join in the revels with you. Okay, I, I take a sip. It is a delicious. Big a big sip. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, I can't it, help it. It is, it is sweet and fruity, but not overly sweet or cloying. And uh, uh, it's eminently drinkable. It's got a little bit of fizziness to it, but not too much. It doesn't oh, overpower. I love that. It's, 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 it's wonderful. It's what you would have made if you were making a drink. This is, this is delicious. This is the best drink I've ever had. Huzzah! And he goes, ding, 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 ding. And the rest of the bar kind of cheers. And, and uh, wow. then they go back I to the conversations. Here. Okay, I I love it here, but uh, I you know what I don't I don't can I just get another I don't even <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah. that'll be fifteen hundred gold pieces. Oh, okay. So what? <laughs> and we'll stop there. Okay, I hate to have to run out on this kind man, but <laughs> the hell what? <laughs> We'll see where that goes uh, here <laughs> on the Radiant Citadel. I think money works differently on the Radiant Citadel. I better refresh my brain on that chapter of the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't uh, You ain't going to find it because I just made it up. Oh, Dungeon Masters. All right. I wanted Thank to you. have a celebratory uh, welcome for you here in this new location. Very creepy. Bye-bye. Bye, um, very, Quinn. very, 
very strange. It is strange, right? I thought of it as it was. I'm like, this is going to be weird for her. I don't know how she's going to react. Let's see how we do it. Yeah. Thank you, Shelley. Bye bye. Thanks, Greg. Bye. bye. 